Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. Let's begin with some class highlights. I kind of finally accepted that, Bob, it's not going to be just sitting with your eyes closed all the time. You should really <laughs> learn more and more to uh, engage with the world and uh, and let it be part of your spiritual growth. Uh, like I, I can kind of feel that. I can really feel that in the marrow of my bones and in the core of my being. And then there's the ability to like digest that and take that into this deeper level where like doing the dishes becomes a spiritual act in and of itself. Trusting as the sutra says, like this is for our growth. You know, if we continue on, like we will be able to blossom and emerge with wings. You make a conscious effort to do the practices and to do this, you know, meditate for however many hours or days or however long your commitment is there. And then magically this, whatever was deep or heavy or that needed to be digested gets lifted. And it's this openness, like connection that I can't even really describe with words that and yet we must. Hey everyone, welcome to another Study Buddy class. As you can hear, our work in this Sutra 3.8 centers around the idea of raising our awareness from the level of the individual to a more expanded state. To unpack this perspective, we find ourselves climbing, climbing through levels of awareness. The first level, that of our normal life, the second level, that of a mindful life. The third level, that of a spiritual life. This climb is the result of digesting our karma, of working through the arena of our life using our practice. And it's that digestion that leads us to the ultimate realization, the promise at the heart of this sutra that of realizing that our waking state is another formation, another ray of our being, an expansion of universal self. So let's get started, jump right into the material. We're gonna start this class off with lineage teacher, Swami Rudrananda, talking about consciousness and about these levels of awareness. We'll come back to this and unpack this quote later in class as well as meditate with it but for now just let it spark your heart let it get let it get you moving on the inside okay here we go and you have to be serious certainly about this thing that you call your spiritual aim and your spiritual life. you can't claim that it is not a funny thing it's an opportunity and you have to be inside yourself aware of that force, that you are using it consciously. Because unless you are doing anything consciously, the work and the energy and the content will not be absorbed by your system. Because we have two systems that exist within us, our usual system, the way we live, and this system of consciousness, which is that which requires an effort a conscious effort so that we raise and open ourselves inside and so the energy we take in 
can be purified and brought to a higher level. And so we've, we've always spent like that first moment of class reminding ourselves that that is our goal to really connect with what, how these sutras land in you to feel with them, to not let them just be more mind stuff, right? But to really help it like grow the heart space and to grow the feeling space. And so as we've done in our previous classes, um, I'm going to start with a little quote to inspire that kind of work. And then Abaya is going to lead us in a very simple um, interoceptive movement exercise that you can do from your seat to help you get out of the head and really tune into the quality of feeling within. And so the quote uh, is from Rudy. And it's one of my favorites in, in, uh, that we've even used for our teacher trainings. He says, you see, it isn't to know. It's to feel. Uh, and I something is happening. You don't know what's happening, but you feel it. This thing changes to that. The caterpillar changes to the butterfly. And leading up to this quote, he also said, growing is a feeling thing. It isn't to know, it's to feel. Something is happening. You don't know what is it, what it is, but you do know that you're feeling it. And so there's this capacity within us to actually know something inside of ourselves through feeling that we don't necessarily know intellectually. And it's, it limits us if we have to wait for the mind to catch up with the heart. You can grow a lot faster right from your heart. And so as we work in our philosophy class, all these sutras are meant to land in your heart are meant to sort of enrich that space. And one way we can do that is by getting in touch with literally our physical body, because it'll take you right out of your head. So I'm gonna hand the camera over to Abaya and she'll take us through that little exercise. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, so take a moment to sit comfortably. And if you're on a chair, I recommend um, scooting far enough forward that you can place the soles of the feet evenly on the ground. And then if it's comfortable, just close the eyes and bring your awareness down to your pelvis and feel the contact between your hips and your cushion or your chair, whatever you're sitting on. Just let the hips get really heavy Imagine by relaxing just a little bit more, more of your hips can contact the earth. Just that millimeter of softening, releasing. As you become more conscious of the base of your body, just notice the feet and the legs, whatever position they're in. And as we become more aware of the body, you always have the freedom to change your positions. You're more supported, more at ease. 
introduce just a very simple, gentle movement, um, circling the hips. So this can start by shifting the weight towards the back of the pelvis, to one side, the front edge, and then to the other side. And this can be really small or bigger if that's what the body wants, but try to smooth out the circle. So there's no beginning, no end, just a sense of fluidity. And as you continue to circle on the pelvis, just notice the relationship between the movement of the hips and the movement of the spine and let that be really sweet and gentle and natural. Totally fine to make it a little more exaggerated, allow the head and neck to get involved without any strain, without too much doership, just an allowing. And then when it feels right to you, change directions. And as you change directions, let the movement start at the pelvis. And then you can trace the pathway up the spine, up to the crown of the head. Notice any areas of Tension. Sometimes just that awareness is enough to soften and release. You're always welcome to do something extra like a little shoulder circle or opening and closing the jaw. And then let the circles get smaller and smaller. And imagine instead of going side to side, forward and back. You're just going up and up and up. And then eventually and naturally allow yourself to rest at that perfect point of stillness. Babaji describes like you're balancing on the head of a needle. And as we shift into our class try to maintain this awareness of your the wholeness of your body rooted into the earth and effortlessly weightlessly floating Diana. All right, and with that, we will take that level of awareness right into our sutra and um, let this land inside and feel it, just like Babaji says, it's for our feelings. First, we'll begin with the Sanskrit. You can repeat it with me. <clears throat> Jagrat Dvitya Kara Jagrat Dvitya Kara 
you can repeat it on your own, just um, trying to feel the syllables in the lips, in the tongue, in the throat. The waking state is another form of their real nature of consciousness. The waking state is another form of their real nature of consciousness, the yogi's real nature of consciousness. So again, let that land and feel. Relate to it as food for your growth rather than food for thought. Right away in the sutra, it elaborates on this translation itself, telling us that wakefulness is not other than their own nature. It is another formation of their universal consciousness. Wakefulness is not different than their nature. It is another formation of their universal consciousness. Another ray of being is also said in the sutra. So this is sort of where we left off. We went a little further into the sutra and we're just gonna glance at this portion that we looked at because it you know, feeds into the rest of the sutra and I don't expect you to remember where we left off a month ago. It's uh, in the sutra, it tells us that after achieving the state of pure knowledge, which was described in the previous sutra, the yogi is always aware of their universal consciousness. So for such a yogi, the waking state is the second form of their establishment of being. Now, what we talked about last time we were together was how it's not always black and white. Um, there's not necessarily just like a realization after which your waking state is simply secondary um, to your growth, but rather that we can look at this as literally uh, uh, our fodder for growth, um, that making the waking state uh, a second form of our establishment of being is, is the practice of surrender. You know, it's not about um, rejecting our world, but rather being in the arena of your life, being in the waking state, and having that be, though, the second form of your being, the not the primary experience that you're seeking. And so we talked about how in uh, Shambhavananda Yoga, we would very easily discuss this in terms of using your, your life for growth, using the challenges of any situation uh, for your spiritual growth something that came up in our meditation teacher training just this previous weekend um, was how an individual is saying, when you, when you know it's for your growth, it's easier to surrender. Like when you have that context, I'm not just giving up this thing, you know, or I'm not just like um, taking a breath just to take a breath. When you know it's like so that I can grow, then it, it gives you that context and that motivation and inspiration. 
And so that's one other way of sort of working with this as, as a form of practice rather than just as a, an all or nothing. Either you've achieved universal consciousness and therefore waking state is secondary. Well, that's not very practical for the everyday yogi. So as you're feeling with that, um, are there any initial just comments or questions? There doesn't have to be, but that's what this time is for before we move on to new parts of the sutra. All right. I don't expect anyone to have worked with this in the last month necessarily. There was Christmas and Pancha and New Year's and uh, intensive and a lot of other things happening. But the idea that your waking state is secondary, I think is just like, does anyone feel like they can relate to that recently? Like when was the last time you really put your waking state yeah, Bob, you know, like when was the last time it really, this was clear to you that this was sort of the order of things? I um, <clears throat> was kind of uh, contemplating this in meditation uh, the other day that there are, I, I'm the kind of yogi, I like to sit with my eyes closed and really work inside myself, but I see that there will always be these forms of practice that we use uh, that engage our voice or engage our um, uh, will or things where we're, we're doing something with our body, um, chanting, um, uh, pujas, uh, all these things where they are simply a way of making sure that even going deep inside yourself in meditation, um, that you remember that this world is also part of what's going on in your experience. And I uh, kindly, kind of finally accepted that Bob, it's not going to be just sitting with your eyes closed all the time. You should really <laughs> learn more and more to uh, engage with the world and uh, and let it be part of your spiritual growth. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm just going to give that a moment to you know to just to digest it. And everyone else is also welcome to either comment on that or. Just take a moment as well. It's interesting how that would be a, a feeling at first of like um, more work, but that it's actually uh, when you're talking about it, and I was really trying to feel with it is because that's, I think, a, something about you, everyone here you know, that I think what you're describing is something that dawns upon us a lot over and over and over in different ways. Oh, this is also my practice. Oh, this is also, oh, I would grow so much if I opened to this. 
you know is that it's it's liberating when you feel like it's not necessarily more work it's it's like the life you're living can be a part of this whole parade you know it doesn't have to be like i'm here and then i've got this 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 split of our lives we think keeps one thing safe but when we actually like open up and put our whole lives within our practice it, it gets the spark of our practice instead of it being like the you know your life can be pretty mundane if it doesn't have a that practice element to it that spark so it's when you're saying that it was almost like that's a it's a it's a realization that seems exciting and liberating almost like wow seeing what's possible suddenly that's just where it struck me Did you see Dharma's Oh, hand? no, Dharma, sorry. I was, he, Bob's at the top of the screen. You're at the bottom and I didn't see it. Go for it. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if I've experienced I think your question was if someone had experienced this recently. But I, I, I'm reminded of the Rudy quote that you shared at the beginning of class about the butterfly and the caterpillar metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. And it almost seems to fit this idea such that um, the universal consciousness is like the butterfly state. And the second form, that waking state is sort of that caterpillar existence. And so the, the butterfly still knows what it was to be the caterpillar. So I'm just sort of working with that metaphor. Yeah, it almost seems like it could go either way, huh? It's almost the caterpillar could keep, could sort of know that it's also this butterfly. The butterfly could also recall that it's, it's just this idea of not necessarily being contained by just what's in front of you, but being able to relate and feel something that's beyond this vantage point. It's, yeah, it's not in the caterpillar and the butterfly are just so obvious for us to like be able to relate to as one being. This could, I think it's an exciting proposition, the idea of putting your practice, well, the way we put it last time was putting your practice first, but to, to really have this, this, simp, this sort of subtle sense of detachment that's just sort of following you in your life that the waking state is the second form of my a being, you know, it's sort of exciting. Yeah. Um, that parallel was really helpful for me, Dharma, because <laughs> I think many of us can relate to the fact that it can be uncomfortable, you know, when we're being asked to, to stretch or surrender. And um, I imagine being a caterpillar and a chrysalis and being bound up and knowing that or not knowing, but just sort of trusting that this is part of the process um, is what we go through as yogis, you know, as the demands on us increase um, and just sort of like trusting as the sutra says, like this is for our growth, you know, if we continue on, like we will be able to blossom and emerge with wings, um, but it's 
there is an element of trust and and discomfort along the way until we we can actually emerge in that new body so to speak and just a note um on just a technical note if um i'm going to remove the the spotlight from this vantage point for there's some video things that I have to consider, um, but you can pin our video to make it big. So it's about to get small. And now you see everyone. If you weren't in gallery view, hello, wonderful. <laughs> see everyone. Uh, and if you want to make us big, you just click the top right and click add pin. Because we're, I'm going to drop a, uh, we're going to dive into the rest of the sutra. All right. All right, so that was a little bit, yeah, thanks, and I'll zoom out on this a little bit. Cool. So that was a little bit of a setup because this quote gets complex, complicated quickly, but we're going to pull it apart and then put it back together and come back to it, and I, it won't seem so complicated. And we do need a reader, though. So I know half of you have already read this because it was on the screen while I was talking, <laughs> and that's just one of those knee-jerk knee reflexes. Raise your hand if you've already read it while I was talking. Okay, great. That would have been me. I would have done that. Hi, Tulsi. Will you read it for us? Yeah. I want to hear your voice. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Sure. I haven't read it yet, so. All right, Tulsi. <laughs> All right. Where does this yogi find this state? This state of wakefulness is not found in I, consciousness. It is found in thisness because thisness is absorbed and digested in universal God consciousness. So for such a yogi, this whole objective world is another way of his being, another way of universal consciousness. The state of God consciousness, on the other hand, does not digest thisness, it digests I consciousness. Thank you, Tulsi. And for anyone who needs to read through that, just sort of scan through it on your own. Again, don't be overwhelmed by all the um, verbiage. We're going to simplify it really soon. I think it's really important also for us to remember that this kind of work that can sort of seem a little semantic and complex when you write it out is baked in to our work in Shambhavananda Yoga. Like you, you're already doing this work in our practice and we're just learning about it. And so almost like, almost like taking apart the toaster and being like, oh, that's how this works or that kind of thing, you know? It's like, but you've already been making toast the whole time. Bob's, you took apart a toaster. I never did that, but I read about kids who did. Um, so we see in here a couple of terms that are tossed around. Um, this idea of like eye consciousness, um, thisness, and universal God consciousness. Um, and if we look in, back in the previous uh, sutra, we we see this um, described pretty clearly. Whoops, go the other way. And he, when uh, the sutra and translated by Lakshman Yu said. 
um, God consciousness is the same as the individual consciousness in which we are living. Um, skip that sentence and the next one helps. Our life is filled with individual consciousness. So start there. A yogi's life is filled with God consciousness. And a supreme yogi's life is filled with universal God consciousness. So again, just start with the our life part. Um, a normal life, just an everyday life, is filled with individual consciousness. Consciousness of your individual uh, life, your individual nature, you know, the whole I'm so-and-so from such-and-such kind of, kind of vibration. Um, a yogi's life, a practitioner, uh, is filled with what Lakshmanju translates as God consciousness, you know, and again, we're reading a thousand-year-old text, and so terminology, um, and we have the, the blessing of having a living lineage that has put this into our own terminology. But a yogi's life is filled with God consciousness, with which we might just say a yogi's life is, is filled with an awareness of their practice, an, an awareness of something beyond the limitations of their everyday reality. And a supreme yogi's life is filled with universal God consciousness. And so that just represents this next level, this level that we're working towards, that we're becoming through our practice. And so just to put these levels up on the screen so you don't have to juggle them on your mind, really simple. Um, there's individual consciousness where we start our practice from. There's God consciousness, which is where we start to like have a sense of something bigger than just this individual consciousness. And then there's something called supreme or universal God consciousness, which really represents a transformation. You've, you're really becoming something. You've become something quite different at that point. And just to give you one more way to interpret this from the last sutra, it was put simply as individual consciousness is state of the mind. God consciousness is state of the self. Uh, that self too, this is a big deal, uh, must be abandoned. And universal God consciousness is a state beyond the mind. And so we, we worked with this a little bit in the sense of a vehicle. If y'all remember like talking about vehicles, your practice, where you use a vehicle to bring you uh, above, to, above to a higher vantage point of your reality. But eventually that vehicle itself must, you must get out, you know, either to get into a, another vehicle or that would take you higher or to simply exist at the state that it's brought you to. And so that's this idea of abandoning the thing that, the practice itself in order to arrive at the experience. And then I want to just jump into what I think is pretty interesting and fun about this differentiation between these two levels. Um, these thoughts, these senses of the mind, eye consciousness, and then this like this little next jump. Um, and this, I think we can start to relate to this concept. And I think it actually gives a little bit of clarity, you know, because um, meditation is a practice that is, is really widely discussed now in, in, in almost in so many genres. And I think the way that we talk about meditation broadly uh, refers to this second level of, of consciousness 
where we're talking about um, cultivating an awareness of where you're at. And I think this is what we mean by when we're saying being present, being mindful. And um, it just represents that, that, that next step up. And Lakshman Ju calls this thisness, this stage of thisness. And to be perfectly honest, I've read and reread, as many of you might have, and trying to sort of get where did this thisness, thisness just popped on the page in these sutras, uh, just like this sutra. And we're like two years or three years into it. So it's a term that it's not like that's getting thrown around a lot and you should have totally picked up on it by now. It was pretty new. Um, but from just interpreting it in a simple way, thisness, you know, what this, this, this spaceness, this presentness, you know, this place that you're in might be one way of interpreting it. And so we get to see this stepping stone perspective. And I actually got a Rudio that I thought um, gives a little uh, perspective on this shift as well. It's only a minute long, and I hope y'all can understand. You know how it is sometimes the audio quality is you know, a little challenging. So whether or not you understand it is no problem because um, you got to feel it, right? So I'm going to play this Rudio. And in my opinion, uh, this Rudio uh, talks about these, this two-level switch. And uh, Rudy really encapsulates it as consciousness. So feel free to reestablish your seat. And it's just a minute and a half portion of a longer section. I'll ask for a thumbs. Um, oh, right when it starts, this means turn it up. This means turn it down. And this means OK. Okay, here we go. And you have to be serious, certainly about this thing that you call your spiritual aim and your spiritual life. You can't claim that it is not a funny thing. It's an opportunity, and you have to be inside yourself aware of that force, that you are using it consciously. Because unless you are doing anything consciously, the work and the energy and the content will not be absorbed by your system. Because we have two systems that exist within us. Our usual system, the way we live, and this system of consciousness, which is that which requires an effort, a conscious effort, so that we raise and open ourselves inside, and so the energy we take in can be purified and brought to a higher level. I'm going to play that one more time because it's so short. certainly about this thing that you call your spiritual aim and your spiritual life. You can't claim that it is not a funny thing. It's an opportunity, and you have to be inside yourself aware of that force, that you are using it consciously. Because unless you are doing anything consciously, the work and the energy and the content will not be absorbed by your system. Because we have two systems that exist within us. Our usual system, the way we live, and this system of consciousness, which is that which requires an effort, a conscious effort, so that we raise and open ourselves inside, and so the energy we take in can be purified and brought to a higher level. It's very, very essential.
And so Rudy brings our awareness and our attention to maybe something that's beyond this second tier that we know well in our practice, this digestion transmutation of power of consciousness. And so we see these tiers where we exist, and then there's this conscious effort that takes us to a presence where in our life. And then potentially there is an even more conscious effort that begins to digest what we encounter within that presence, not merely being present, but digesting what you're encountering in the presence. And that sort of represents that third shift. So just take a moment and reflect on how do you interpret these stages, these experiences of your practice, you know, how would you describe that shift from one to two or that shift from two to three, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. I want to check in with, with all of you first, but take a moment, you know, feel with it. If you want to write a little bit, write a little bit, just literally, we're just going to give everybody a minute just in case that's the kind of learner you are and you need that space to feel free to, to just feel. Another 20 seconds or so. So does anyone want to offer up their interpretation of this idea that wakefulness has two levels, maybe the presence and something beyond it. Sure, Jaya, go for it. So this isn't this isn't very specific, but the one thing that came to mind for me was um, reminded me of Monday night when somebody asked Baba, um, you know, are we? Is it the four immeasurables? Is that the goal that we're aiming for? And Baba's response was like, no, we're aiming for, or he didn't say no, but he said, enlightenment is what we're aiming for. And so I thought of sort of this, um, you know, that the four immeasurables are kind of in that second, just felt like, oh, that's kind of that second stage, which feels uh, like I, I can kind of feel that. I can really feel that in the marrow of my bones and the core of my being but that enlightenment, which Baba mentioned, is just feels like, like way beyond that. And so that's what came up for me. Thank you, Jay. I'm just gonna sit with that for a moment, let it marinate. That was really great parallel to draw. Yeah, 
interesting so when you're reflecting on like i don't know if anyone else out there is doing this but just when you reflect on boundless love and boundless love that's a certain experience that we're cultivating boundless compassion And not to say, I think what's important is to regard these as, I mean, you can't climb a ladder by necessarily skipping the middle rung. We all want to get to the top, but there's rungs in the middle. You got to, are you going to climb up to the top if you can't go through that boundless love part? So it's like, maybe there's something above it, but you got to be able to feel your way to it. But you know, Baba says, like, when you can't get your shakti, or your, when, when the, when it feels stuck in the heart that you breathe below it to the belly, it's like sometimes having that, that vantage point of there is even something beyond this help, might even help some of us cultivate boundless love. What's helping me in that moment? Thanks, Jaya. Any comments or anyone else want to share something different? Yeah, Anju. Yeah, for me, it kind of like pulled me back to something like so much more, less profound, I guess. <laughs> so <much more> <laughs> sure. But um, I really thought about just that, you know, how Babaji tells us like, you know, to be present when we're doing something and he mentions doing the dishes, right? So we can do the dishes and our thoughts can be everywhere. And we don't even really know we're doing the dishes because <laughs> we're completely like in our head, in our thoughts or in whatever's happening around us physically. And then, you know, there's the idea of getting present with doing that and actually focusing, you know, on doing the dishes and not following the mind all over the place and, and focusing on what we're doing and experiencing doing the dishes and then there's the ability to like digest that and take that into this deeper level where like doing the dishes becomes a spiritual act in and of itself so it might seem on the outside that you're just doing something really external and mundane but you're actually really feeding your spiritual growth just by bringing that awareness in a different space inside so it doesn't have to this big external thing that everybody can see it, it's a very internal focus that can take us into that that third level if we can get good at, at being there in that second level and, and recognizing that everything that we do is a spiritual act we don't have to compartmentalize our lives thanks Anju. that was super helpful I think if the mind is one of the number one written about topics in all of yoga, doing dishes is number two. So I think it's very helpful. I mean, that is, it's, it's, it's such a great place to practice. And I can just picture myself at the dishes. It's like, there's the initial moment of pulling myself to the dishes. Like that's this initial, thing that has to occur and then there's the moment once you're doing the dishes sustaining it 
and like really like staying with it and that's when like that next layer can open up right but if like if you're just if your mind keeps wandering and you have to keep pulling yourself back to the dishes i mean that's great that you're doing that but you know it does represent like climbing a few rungs up and then getting off the ladder and then going a few rungs and getting off whereas the second tier is like you're on the ladder and you're actually just going higher and that does seem does it, i think it's a great example that i could try to make Dharma. That one about the rings and the connectedness of the rings. It's I like fitting want... one circle into oh, the smaller. The, oh, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm just thinking of that sort of dimensional imagery as we think about the ladder too and sort of ascending, but maybe it's no, I'm just thinking of those rings from a bunch mm. of sutras ago. We must place this circle into this other circle. We must really, yeah, work from one level. And I feel like that when Rudy says layer by layer, layer by layer, layer by layer, layer by layer, like he really says it that many times. I feel like that's, you know, that's what he's communicating. I also thought about the rings, um, but whenever I drew them, I was like, oh, how interesting. It kind of looks like an eyeball. <laughs> and just a moment ago, I had another moment and I said, oh, I thought about the circle graph and how sometimes we can see with two circles. I don't know, I see Supreme God Consciousness as kind of seeing all the picture. I might need help with the circle graph. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, the Venn diagram, the crossing circles, okay. I think the parallel with, you know, like, I think it's really cool that you're feeling with it essentially and seeing these pair these these images like within the context of your life like the eyeball and and I mean there's usually no coincidence with the structure of physical reality and you know and the way that things are also cosmically put together. Rudy used the metaphor of psychic muscle because there's a parallel between muscle and the physical body and psychic muscle that we cultivate through our practice, you know, it's not, they're not necessarily separate. So that's, it's fun that you're sort of finding, finding those interesting ways to like bring it in. And I think that Venn diagram idea would definitely make sense as representing, um, trying to really bring all of your awareness to the next level you know, not just surrendering what you don't want to do and focusing what you do want to do, but really bring all of your awareness to this dish and maintaining all of it there. Because if only a portion of it comes with you, you just got that little bit of crossover from the Venn diagram or the circles, you know, but if you get the, all of your awareness, you got all the crossover and it feels like then you really, you go through.
Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I think that I, I kind of look at this and I recognize it as kind of like going to an intensive, you know, like you go to the intensive, you do all of the practices of the intensive, and then by the end of it, either you're like seeing that you have to digest some things or you've digested some things miraculously just from whatever is happening <laughs> magically on a deeper level, you know, and um, I just feel like that that's kind of what I see is like the process of just working and meditating and but really the intensive is I feel like what I see when I look at this diagram. Um, yeah. Like you're going to go into the intensive and know that there's like work to do and you're ready to work. But yeah, essentially something way beyond what you're capable of even working on. That yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's kind of like there's this there's like you're you make a conscious effort to do the practices and to do this, you know, meditate for however many hours or days or however long your commitment is there. And then magically this whatever was deep or heavy or that needed to be digested gets lifted and it's this openness, like connection that I can't even really describe with words that. I think a lot of us have felt in intensives and it's just, um, yeah. And I, I don't know, it just kind of, that's how I can relate to it because I, I don't know what's beyond, um, what I've experienced, you know, like I'm sure there is much more to experience with meditation than I've experienced. Um, but I don't know. It's like, you don't know what you don't, here you know you don't know what you you haven't witnessed and i can feel there's this depth in in internally that i have not felt or gone before but um from what i have experienced that's how i can relate to that so <laughs> thank you kelsey that was really effective that was just felt thank you like when what we can recognize in our practice is going it's the growth process and we don't waste a lot of time trying to define what it will or won't look like but we know what growth feels like we know what it takes to do it and so it's like we just we know how to climb the ladder but we don't know if we're at the top i don't even know what the top will look like but i definitely know how to climb or i don't even definitely know i feel like that's <laughs> Sometimes you gotta, you know, you go to intensive and you're like day two and you're like, What's was I even meditating yesterday? I mean, compared to this, I don't think I was, you know. What were you going to say? Uh, well, that's, that's sort of where we'll pause for, t for today. We're going to take the last 10 minutes to meditate. Um, and we'll pick up from here next week. There's one more part to the suture that I think is really fruitful. And um, it has to do, it's, it, I won't go into it, of course, um, but I, I did want to, we'll wrap up this part next week and the suture and then move on. But um, feel free to readjust your seat. And I thought I would play 
that Rudio um, from the beginning so that we get a little bit more time with it and let that just filter into our practice. Here we go. And until you can look at this force and your life and express it in everything that you do do, it really can't happen just as you It's like trying to be a good friend sometimes, or a good husband, or a good brother, or a good mother, or a good sister. You either all the time have the commitment in you, or it really has no meaning. And to become an illusionist who comes in and tries to do this kind of work, you know, and go through all kinds of twistings and turnings, these are not things that I'm interested in. I really want people only who are willing to dedicate themselves for the rest of their life. Not necessarily to this, I'm not getting to sign the contract, but it really is to want to live your life where you take this as additional reinforcement and energy so that you are consciously aware of this quantity that you are taking. Because when you come here, you are absorbing out of the atmosphere and out of me and from the people around you, this quantity. And unless you're willing to use it consciously, unless you have made a commitment within yourself, then you are worse than a fool. You're really a hypocrite and you really are destroying for other people something which is serious. And you have to be serious certainly about this thing that you call your spiritual aim and your spiritual life. You can't play with it. It is not a funny thing. It's an opportunity and you have to be inside yourself aware of that force that you are using it consciously because unless you are doing anything consciously the work and the energy and the content will not be absorbed by your system. Because we have two systems that exist within us. Our usual system, the way we live, and this system of consciousness, which is that which requires an effort, a conscious effort, so that we raise and open ourselves inside, and so the energy we take in can be purified and brought to a higher level. It's very, very essential. It does not happen by chance, it happens through a conscious effort. As we've been learning recently, this conscious effort does not have to be heavy-handed, but is simply about feeling the breath you're taking, letting it really come in and nourish you deeply in the heart, absorbing that consciousness, that awareness, and letting it open you up.
here in Hawaii, there's the rain just started as we were sitting with Rudy and it's an apt metaphor for this work. Imagine yourself like dry earth and as the rain falls, as you breathe into your heart, how would you absorb that? How do you open enough to let that rain in? That's our work. We all have unique ways that come to us and the one way that consistently helps me out and I feel like it is supported through our lineage is that slight smile. It's, it's almost like that stepping stone. crack in the door that allows consciousness to open it wide. say thank you everyone uh, for being here this first study buddy of the year namaste so grateful and really looking forward to continuing this discussion in two weeks and um and just keep in the back of your mind and let it affect you in the heart a little bit these levels of awareness these levels of our practice and see if having a few stepping stones in your path doesn't actually let you walk further than just trying to jump all the way there.
So I'd love to hear how it goes when we meet again. Have a great weekend, I think. <laughs> <laughs>